recorded live. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to the June 9th, 2017 edition of Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society.com website. I'm your host, William Hayashi, and I'm coming to you from a fairly sultry Chicago. Uh, there is not a breeze outside my place, and uh, I, th- I think it might still be in the 80s, which is, I guess it's okay. Not much to complain about. It is, after all, the unofficial summer, you know, whatever happens after Memorial Day. And tonight's special guest is Alaron Kong, and uh, he wanted me to mention specifically that he is the father of American Lit RPG. So I think when I say hello to you, Al, uh, could you explain to us what Lit RPG is? And, 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 and also, first of all, tell me, where are you coming to us from? Hey, man. Yeah, so it's good to be here. I am in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's been home for about 20 years, my favorite city. Uh, I just finished about four night shifts in a row, so a little loopy, but I'm actually, <laughs> you know, doing all right. And um, so, yeah, Lit RPG stands for Literature Role-Playing Game. And okay. the easiest way to think of it is it's an intersection between video games and classic science fiction fantasy. Nice, so nice. There's, yeah, there's two main, like, components that go into it. And one, it's like you have to be writing in, like, a game-type world. And there mm-hmm. has to be some sort of progression, like in a Final Fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons, Warcraft kind of thing. Uh, so, like when you're in the, when you're reading the book, it actually, and you fight someone, it doesn't just say you fought him. It says you fought him, you gained X amount of experience. You're now level two. Where do you want to put your points? So you feel like you're playing a video game when you read it. Okay, I can see that. Um, actually, role-playing games, and 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 I go back way. I think the first, what was the first one? Oh, Doom 2, when you could have four people playing. Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, I put, uh, I put, I set up four computers in my office in downtown Chicago, and I had people who would come after work, you know, four or five o'clock, and then I would go home, and I would come back and open up my office at 8.30, and they'd still be in there shooting at each other. The next oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, and I- it's damn addicting. Honestly, this, uh, and that's why, like, my number one demographic isn't, you know, 13 to, like, you know, 18-year-old kids that are playing. It's, you know, people that used to play D&D or used to game all the time, and now they are, you know, janitors or judges or, you know, whatever other walk of life. And they're like, yeah, I kind of missed this, and this gives me the fix that I wanted. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, my readers go from, like, 12 up to, like, 80. Pretty cool. Well, and, and, and what's so funny now is, you know, we were called slackers or whatever they called us way back when, when the RPG mm-hmm. um, phenomenon started. And, and now we're all, you know, for the most part, upstanding citizens. So yeah. You, no, you, and just, it's also, you, don't, you don't know. Hmm? It, was, it was like, yeah, it was like a thing that like, you know, oh, you're one of those guys that played it back in the day. I've done, I've done some research since I got into this about a year and a half ago. And the online video game market is going to be $17 billion this year. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah it's and, it's and, insane. And, and they don't normally <clears throat> want to say the numbers because for some stupid-ass reason, they think if they tell people how popular it is, it's going to get more popular. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really weird kind of thinking. Um, and, and so you've been doing this – well, actually – did you start out doing, you know, lit RPGs? Was that kind yeah. of like your 
your literary calling, and how long ago was that? So I put uh, paper to pen for the first time September 15th of 2015, mm-hmm. and I put six books out in about 14 months. And so mm-hmm. that kind of brings us up to here. I'm aiming to get my next book out in about a month. And, and how long are these, by the way? Um, the first one was about 100,000 words, or you can think of it as, uh, if you're looking at a novel length, maybe 350 pages. Every one has okay. been about 25 to 30 pages longer. So my last one was about like a, you know, probably like a 480, 520 book. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and is there, let me ask, is there is there an actual RPG that goes along with this series? So no, and that's one of the things that draws people in is that every time anybody's played a game, it's like, oh, this was great, but there's things that were missing. Uh, that's not a problem when you're, you know, creating this world. So my world is completely unique. You will see elements that were like, you know, if you've seen Lord of the Rings and you've heard of goblins before, if you've ever seen, you know, some sort of sci-fi movie, you've seen someone throw a fireball. So there's those kind of things that people find comfortable, but all the dynamics and the world and the culture and the background, it's all completely unique to my books. Okay. And when you, when you did the first one, um, mm-hmm. and because you did, you did so many in, in such a short amount of time, when you did the first one, what, did you get much feedback on that before you launched into the second one, or did you have it in your mind to go ahead and, and, and bang out the series? Um, so, honestly, when I first started writing, I thought that maybe my mom might read it one day, and maybe I could mm-hmm. force my buddy to do it. I never imagined it would turn into this, you know, kind of large expanse and, you know, consuming thing in my life. And it really has become like my passion. Uh, But I just decided I was just going to write a book that I wanted to read and keep going. So one of the things that I do is it's a, it's a straight continuation from book to book. There's no uh, six months have passed, whatever. The very last paragraph of every book is the very first paragraph of the next book. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's kind of just like a, you know, a streamlining type of thing rather than, thinking of it as like, you know, a classic way that you would do sci-fi fantasy where it's like, well, there's one book and there's a second book and then we tie it up with the third. Mine's more like watching episodes of Scandal or Lost or something like that where it's like each one is going to kind of leave you hungry for the next one and leads into it. And, and do you have like a, a total number of volumes that you think this is going to span? In my lifetime, I want to write 50 books and have at least one of them made into a great movie. That's, that's the goal. Nice. Um, okay, well, and that begs the question, you know, since you, you, you only started this a few years ago, which is, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. That's great output. Um, what do, you know, you, you've already said you want to see it as a novel, and damn, 50 books. Uh, do, you have, mm-hmm. do you already have a story arc established to go out that far? Uh, I've got a story arc to do 100 books if I needed to. Uh, one of the things that's really surprising is that when I first started writing, um, like the very first day I was like, well, you know, I don't want it to get stale. And I hated it when it was clear that an author or a storyline or even a TV show had written itself into a corner and they gave some BS mechanic to just sort of prolong it. And I was like, I would, you know, all it takes is a little bit of forethought. So I had six major, you know, sort of turning points that I felt like would be a vibrant, you know, sort of showstopper. And in my mind, mm-hmm. I thought I would get to each turning point after <clears throat> maybe three books. But honestly, we're about, 20% of the way to the first turning point after six books. So um, I don't know. I'm just really enjoying this. It's like insane and a crazy blessing to me that other people, you know, are finding resonance with it as well. And I feel like I'm learning a lot. So 
you know, right now my books are sort of the equivalent of going to see a movie that has like the rock in it. Like it's, you're going to have a good time, but it's not, you know, a deep, meaningful kind of thing. Uh, but one day I hope to maybe write the great American novel. So I don't see. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and then when you look back, I mean, obviously you, you've glommed onto this lit RPG concept when when you were growing up, what kinds of things were influencing you from a creative perspective? I mean, yeah, I mean, something that you said about when we were starting that it was, uh, you know, back in the day, you were a slacker, you were the weirdo, you were whatever that wrote this. It's insanely vindicating to know that all the hours that I spent playing video games and, you know, reading these books have actually panned out. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, I read all the classic people, you know, like Piers Anthony, uh, Octavia Butler was, was amazing. Uh, Raymond E. Feist was probably one of my favorite authors of all time. And I played the same video games that everyone else did. You know, you would go to the neighborhood kid who had the latest, you know, system, play, you know, Nintendo or Super Nintendo or whatever else. And, you know, as time went on and the fantasy went on, and I stayed like, you know, an avid reader and an avid, you know, player of these kind of games. Uh, and so when I'm creating my world, I basically just try to take the best parts of what I liked from various things that I found inspiring, avoid the pitfalls that I saw that people doing this and just add the stuff that I always wish that people had, you know, brought in. So right. sci-fi fantasy, comic books, dragon warrior, civilization, you know, a little bit of everything. And, and what about, what about, you know, prior to the gaming? Well, although I, you, you know, you look kind of young in your picture, maybe you weren't around prior to the gaming <laughs> the streets starting out. Um, <laughs> You know, the, I, I actually played Pong, you know, the very first video yeah. game, or or Adventure, which was the text-based game where you, you know, where you turned the direction, you went one thing, and then, you know, you're sitting there with graph paper writing out your map of where you've been. Yeah, yeah, I got into that. Text. Okay. Yeah, I got into um, that back in the day. Um, and that was great, right, because it was your imagination that was fueling it more than anything else. It's um, true. Yeah, which is one of the things that I like to try to bring in as well. I feel like old school sci-fi and fantasy really had a great kind of grittiness to it and a darkness. And it was, you know, I feel like a lot of these authors were never expecting to make it big. They were never expecting to hit a certain quota. So they were just like, I'm going to write the story. And so they like, they resonate. It's not as mass produced as a lot of stuff that's out there these days. And I try Mm -hmm. to bring some of that in to my own work. That's pretty cool. Um, now, how about when when you look at um, like your first book? When you were putting together the creative universe for your first book, uh, what mm-hmm. what was your process? Did you think in terms of characters first? Did you think in terms of the universe? Um, what you know? How did you approach it? I mean, for me, I had never written a book before when I did my first novel. So, mm-hmm. being kind of a gearhead, I did a flowchart of what I thought the plot should be with all of the intersecting subplots and things like that. Yeah. Just because I, I had no idea. What was, what was kind of like your process for your first one? Uh, the main thing was creating the dynamics of my world. So I wanted mm-hmm. there to be a clearly, you know, well-defined set of natural laws and inclusions because I wanted my work to feel as raw and unpredictable and as messy as real life. So mm-hmm. when I created, like, this is how this magic system works, and this is how this, you know, racial dynamic is between these two groups, and this is how the political structure is for this particular village or kingdom that you're in, I then say, okay, well, I want my guy to go from point A to point D, B. And as I 
write that out within this framework, I find that, ah, oh, you know, he actually can't get to point B because this would happen. So he ends up meandering over to point E or something like that. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that is part of the thing that gives a realism and an enjoyment to the work where, you know, I'll have some criticism and be like, you know, he's just this bungling guy. What does he do? And other people are like, yeah, that's exactly like everyone else I've ever met. Who are these perfect, you know, G.I. Joe heroes that are in these other stories where nothing really seems to go bad or they don't never, they never seem to make a mistake or they never forget anything. Um, that's the sort of, that's, that was always kind of in my process. And that's why I think I enjoy it so much because it's like I'm discovering the character as I'm creating him because I know where I want to go. But sometimes as I'm on the path, it takes me somewhere unexpected, which is what keeps it fresh. Well, not only that, but, you know, you're, it, it, it sounds like right out of the box, you were engaging in nonlinear, you know, plot development, yes. which uh, looks more unexpected to the reader because mm-hmm. they, they, you know, things can take off to the left, to the right, whatever. Um, yeah. And it also tends to make things, I think, a lot more interesting. And, and that does justify the whole, the kind of the RPG feel of the whole thing. Because, like you said, you, you play some of these games, you can't get there from here unless you go over here, do something else, solve some problems, uh, yes. kill some major bad guys, and then, and only then, can you continue on what would normally be your linear trip. Yes. And that, as well, has been one of the things that sparked so much, like, you know, controversy or, like, you know, sort of discussions in the forums that people discuss my work where they're like, you know, he was over here and he found this thing and he never really talked about it. And I'm like, well, you know, in real life, you could find something. It's not like, I, it's not like you're going to be like in a perfect hallway that leads you from point A to point B to point C. Like that's boring and it's predictable. I would much mm-hmm. rather a messy thing where I'm like, you found the golden, you know, son of blah blah blah, and then you're like, well, I have no idea what this thing does. I mean, I've got other stuff to do. You know, I I had to pick up groceries. I totally forgot it was there. Um, one of the things in my books is this guy has to grind up eyeballs to make this you know, potion so that he can see in the dark. And then in the next book, somebody randomly says, you know, you had a ring that could let you see in the dark. And he just goes on, like goes on this cursing rant for like the next mm-hmm. chapter and a half. Cause it was the most <laughs> disgusting thing that he ever did. And I'm like, I feel like that right. would happen. If you were trapped in the middle of wherever and you had a thousand things in your bag, you might forget. Um, and then just be pissed. And I feel like that happens to people. Um, or, you know, my guy will randomly do things and he's getting involved in all these different you know, sort of current events. And so he gets these quests and he goes in and people are like, well, I feel like it's expanding. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, wasn't that always the way you wanted a game to be where it wasn't just an, if a, then B, then C, because you get bored by the time you're done with that, but, but sort of a larger world that's always shifting that if you forget something, there's consequences. And that's kind of what I want to create when I starting these books and I've only written six so far, I call it a saga because I want it to be a, like a universe or a world spanning type of story where mm-hmm. there's going to be components that when I go down other storylines, they tie in or they don't. And the consequences, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. It's a very big undertaking, but it's something that I feel like I could devote my life to. So, Yeah, and, and then, uh, you know, since you think you could go out 50 books, it sounds like you're going to spend a lot of time in this creative universe. Do you have other oh. creative universes that, that are also of interest and, and that you may be producing? I absolutely do. I mean... I've got, I don't know, probably 500 type pages of various other storylines that I've started or, or that I, ideas that I want to flesh out more or 
just these amazing scenes that I'll spend like five hours writing and I look up and there's 50 pages of this like tearjerker or this really comedic kind of thing that I then put to the side and say, I'm going to come back to you because I'm trying to be true to the, my main storyline right now. And I love writing it so much, but no, there's, mm-hmm. you know, other storylines in the same world. There's other worlds, you know, there's various things that might be more apropos to right now. There's some political stuff. I mean, a little bit of everything. I'm just really enjoying flexing my literary muscles and learning what I can do. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, when you, when you started out, I mean, do you have any experience or did you have experience writing before, before you decided to jump into this? None at all. None. Zero. Never, never. I mean, it was the kind of thing where someone's like, Hey, if you had $10 million, what would you do? I'm like, ah, I guess I'd be a writer or I'd be on TV. And then I immediately <laughs> say like, Oh, that'll never happen. Um, and then it turned into this, this thing. It was kind of a perfect storm of me finding this genre that I loved. Like as soon as I read the first page, I was like, ah, Mikorazon, where have you been my whole life? This is amazing. Like video games and, you know, sci-fi fantasy. This is everything that I wanted. Um, and I was able to find it. It was relatively new. Um, I was, and I was able to also create the community that it's now growing around. And that's where I got that moniker, the father of American lit RPG. It's not because I was the first one that ever wrote it. And, you know, arguably I have the book, like books that people like the best or they like other people the best. It's because it was just sort of like six guys that had sort of done with this half from Russia, half from, you know, the Westernized world. Um, and I got it together and I've had dozens of other authors say, Hey, I read your book. I finally found, you know, a vo- like, you know, something I want to put my voice out to. And they do it with varying successes, but I created the Facebook group and the community so to support them. So like, we've got like a list of beta readers for anybody that needs that, you know, various ways to advertise, you know, stuff so that they don't have to reinvent the wheel so they can focus just on the creation. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a blessing. I've been able to benefit from it, but I've also been able to help people, which is kind of the sweet spot of life, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and this can, obviously, this is the beginning of a major enterprise because what you've done is you've created a platform where not only you can cr- uh, continue with your own creativity, but you can invite guest creatives in to, to add to your world. Um, yes. Was that something that you thought about at the very beginning, or did, did it just naturally just fall into place? No, that's something that I thought about from the very beginning. I've always been a, you know, I've always been more of a chess player than a checkers player. Um, and... I've been surprised by how things have developed uh, pleasantly and unpleasantly as I've, you know, gone down this road, but overall it's been extremely positive. And, you know, just the fact that there's a lot more content out there for this genre that I immediately fell in love with is a win. And the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, that it's starting to become a culture where not only am I reaching out the hand to help other people, but these other authors that have come up that I reached out to are now helping reaching the hand out to even more authors. So, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's getting bigger. Now, I mean, with that being said, there's some people that want the exact opposite. They're like, ah, well, I just want to, you know, be in charge and forget everybody else and just do my thing. Um, so there's been some butting of heads regarding that. But there's a lot more cool people, i found, than sort of self-serving people, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how many people have you run into who, that have that, that typical black creative zero mentality? Um, zero, um, zero sum mentality where, you know, they figure if you're selling a book of yours and they also have books, you've taken money yeah. out of their pockets. 
I mean, it happens enough that it's something I have to be aware of and kind of on the watch for. But at the same time, if you're really talking about it, I mean, if you had a hundred people and there were two people that were shouting epithets all the time, you might be like, Oh, this group sucks. But no, it's not that everyone sucks. It's just that the bad people (laughs) go out of their way to be bad and to be boisterous about it. And there's plenty of people that are just trying to like live their lives, have a good time, enjoy some work. So I found like, again, there's enough that, it's something that we have to watch out for. Like there's strict guidelines that I have for my group to keep it pure and to keep it supportive and everything else like that. But there's also just an amazing number of people that are really cool and have had ideas that they've been wanting to get out and are, you know, writing these amazingly fun stories and are doing, you know, extra things like helping out when we have a charity drive and things like that and reaching out to other authors. Like, Hey, I made this word document that I found to be really helpful and other people are like, oh, man, I was struggling with that. And now I can focus more on my story. So I don't know. I mean, you've been doing this uh, talk show for about five years. I'm sure you've seen the trolls that exist. Um, oh, don't I guess the same probably percentage of trolls exist. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's well, just a complicated know, business, I guess. Trolls are initially, they're, they're initially uh, drawn to success. Okay, because yeah. they figure it's it's very visible and that their trolling is going to get the widest possible distribution. But yeah. they don't realize that what they're also doing is exposing, you know, their trolliness or whatever you want to call it to to a huge group of people. And yeah. and you know what, these days you can't hide anywhere. You know, no. if if you have any kind of presence at all, let's say on the internet, there there is no no possible way that people are not going to know, oh, that guy, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was over here acting an asshole and got kicked out, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so so that, I mean, at least in, in some respects, it's self-policing. Uh, it is. When you look, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that's perfect except going to somebody's house and shooting them. And, yeah, I said <laughs> it. Somebody had yeah. to say it, but, you know. It can happen. Uh, we you, all think you're it. Not a, you're, you're not allowed to do that normally, but, you know, mm-hmm. accidents happen. Um, um, you know, which, he, he fell down a couple times. Yeah. I get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, oh that, that's right. That, no, no, no. The Chicago Police Department's excuse when somebody comes up, beat up, come in, comes in beat up, he tripped. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> been an excuse going on for about a century, I would assume. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pain and, you know, it's easy for me to talk all egalitarian about it right now, you know, now that nobody's messing with me in this given moment. Um, right. But there were different times where, you know, it was like, what the hell? What is wrong with these people? God, it, you know, if you spent 20% of the energy you spend messing with me on just your own creative stuff, like, this would never be a problem. Um, yeah, but you know what? They, they don't, you know, okay, I, the only admonition I would give you, because I don't think I have anything to teach you or, you know, impart on you, at all, except this one thing, and and it's it's universal to creatives everywhere. It's universal to to decent people everywhere, and and that is making the mistake that other people think like you do, other people behave mm-hmm. like you do, and other people are as ethical as you are, and and yeah. and that's that's where the rubber meets the road because, you know, you would think to yourself, well, geez, so and so wants to write in my universe and and they sound pretty upbeat, they have, you know, they've got their own thing, they sound like they're pretty creative, and really all they want to do is run you down. And, and yeah. so you just have to let it go because, you know what, yeah. they're not worth it. 
Um, I agree. You're, you're, not near, you're not nearly as old as me, but let me tell you what's going to happen to you about 40 years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be sitting there going, I have fewer years ahead of me than I have behind me, and I ain't got no time for this nonsense. Yeah, I agree. And I've, yeah. I've been hearing that. Um, I always had this idea that there's only one real truth in the world, and it's this, like, universal, pristine, shining thing that we can't even really grasp. But we all try right. to, you know, figure it out, and we say it you know, variations of it in our own imperfect way. And I've been hearing it all the time. And I just heard this, like, uh, speech that Will Ferrell gave to this, you know, college group. And he said, you know, a lot of funny stuff. He's Will Ferrell. But the main thing is he was like, you know, nobody thought I was funny for the first three years. And all I had were horrible critics. And if I could tell you one thing, just ignore critics and keep throwing darts at the wall and hopefully you hit something. Because yeah. there's no magic way to do this. Just keep trying some stuff. And, you know, I've heard it from him and I heard it from other places. And, yeah, it really just comes down to, like, just what you said. Like, forget the critics. Don't listen to people that hate themselves about what they think about you. And, you know, just keep keep trucking on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what do you think the chances are that somebody's going to sit down and go, hey, uh, Alaron, uh, I'd like to put together a game under the license of your creative universe. So, I mean, that would be amazingly awesome if it came off well, right? Um, I'm as red-blooded American and loving and capitalistic and loving money as, as the next guy. Uh, sure. But this, what I'm writing, is kind of everything to me. It's the focal point, point of what I do, of who I am. Uh, it's what I love in this world. So I would rather, you know, just keep writing books that, like, you know, people handed down with a dog-eared copy than – be like, hey, yeah, give me some blank check, and then I have no creative control, or they just kind of mass produce some stuff that they were already doing and just slap my label on it. I just wouldn't really be interested in that. I mean, I've had the same question about like, hey, you know, we really want to see this turn into a cartoon, or we really want to see this turn into a TV show. And, you know, my answer is like, yeah, if you can promise me it's going to be a Game of Thrones, great. If this is going to turn into, I don't even want to say, like, you know, one of the other just, just travesties that, you know, were great books and just were you know, crap, MTV knockoff kind of things, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather just opt out. I don't care if somebody else does it. I'm happy with what I've made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, content creators, especially those who are in um, the book, short story, or comic book uh, arenas, look at transmedia, which is, you know, producing your stuff in all kinds of different media formats, Mm-hmm. as a way of of attracting people who normally might not look at it and also to just increase increase the scope of your creative offerings. And and yeah. you're right. You you definitely have to be on top of quality assurance because yeah. after all it is it is your baby and you have you definitely have a a responsibility to maintain the highest quality for your own product. So see the problem is people don't really Think about that. Like, so an example is I was, um, I had a large name audiobook company reach out to me uh, when okay. I was only about like four or five months in. I was having some, you know, nice success. And the guy was like, you know, the VP of the company, and he's talking to me for like an hour and a half. And it sounds amazing. You know, he's already showing me how he and I are going to be walking down a red carpet together and we're going to be best friends and everything <laughs> like that. And I'm like, this sounds great. And literally, yeah. <laughs> I thought back to like this old like movie about Motown about how people sold their stuff away. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I love it. 
I'm going to uh, have my lawyer look at this, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. And he literally said, bro, it's, it's us. We don't need lawyers. What's going on? And I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so I got out of that. But at the same time, I've seen them gobble up a lot of other authors, and even authors that had, like, you know, a lot more years under their belt than I did. Um, sure. So it's like you want to keep it, you know, pure. But at the same time, just like me, when I first started writing, I never thought it was going to turn into anything. I was like, yeah, I just need something better to do than just, you know, playing Halo. Um, right. And so you have people that are signing away, like, literally 15-year contracts of their intellectual property. Um, right. So it is a slippery kind of thing. You know, it's like if nobody's ever asked you to dance at the prom and some guy does, it doesn't matter if he has a bad reputation. You're like, oh, my God. Uh, and that's, that's what's yeah, happening to know, a, lot of, a lot of young writers. That's true. But in this day and age, I will tell you this, I have no sympathy for them at all, okay? Mm-hmm. Because there is no excuse for anybody over, you know, over the age of 18 to not understand that to protect yourself no matter what you need an attorney. You need a yeah, lawyer. Yeah, I agree. I okay. agree. And, and, and anyone who is stupid enough to think, man, I don't need no lawyer. I can, I can figure this out myself. I can protect my stuff. And if, if I don't like what's going on, I'm just going to take it back. And then to find out a year later, you can't take it back. You signed it all no. away. Yeah, so, they own it. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of tough. No, I agree. If you've yeah, ever seen any from, movie it, about anything, then you should know this. Uh, yeah, but yeah. it's surprising the number of people that know. I mean, it's I mean, you look at the geopolitical landscape of our country, it's surprising. A lot of people do a lot of things, in my opinion, but, but they do them. So. Hey, you leave electing Trump out of this. We're trying not to be political about this. <laughs> I'm trying not to be political. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, yeah. come on. No, but you're, you're, um, you're right. But, yeah. but, but I will tell you this. The ubiquity of the dumbing down of America was a deliberate thing. I mean, that started mm-hmm. in the Nixon era, and it's been so successful. And people go, well, yeah. how do you know that? You know, there's so many things going on. There's so much stuff. There's, there's the Internet. And I go, yeah, but you know what? Between uh, 1972 and 2008, they revised the scoring of the ACT and the SAT downward 16 times. And they wow. go, what? And, and I go, okay, you know, we'll, we'll talk later. Now, yeah. you know, speaking of which, not, mm-hmm. not, not, not necessarily um, – well, no, let's get personal. As okay. you did your first book. And you looked yeah. at putting together this this genre because mm-hmm. you know there, there there are obviously other people who write in the genre. You know, yeah. you look at you look at the uh, Halo universe. You know, you look at all those damn books they've got out for that. Um, obviously, other people have done it. What what yeah. was the biggest pitfall that you ran into? You know, um, let's say in the in 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 the first couple books, the first book. You know, what 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 was the one thing that was kind of unexpected to you? that brought you down a little bit? Uh, I guess it would be uh, walking in the line between being beholden to my readers who, you know, I'm still crazy appreciative for and was just still shocked that, you know, they felt it so much and being true to my own story. Um, I mean, I would, <laughs> I was doing this thing where as a joke, I was naming every book something that had nothing to do with the book. And it was kind of like an open joke for these people that were on my forum with me. But I was getting emails like, hey, Kong, you're the worst person ever. I just broke my Kindle. Watch your back because I'm coming for you. There were no swarms in this book. And they're like, he's like, like I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm numbing it. Because it's like they were these imminent, like, three-page-long emails and these, like, shouting, screaming 
screaming things or like one out of five reviews were like, I love this book. It's one of the best ones ever. But you know what, Kong? You're not God. This will show you. And it'd be like one out of five stars. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> so, wait, wait, before you go any further, have you seen the movie Misery with Kathy yeah. Bates and yeah. James Conn? All right. Keep messing around, boy. All right. That's all yeah. I got to say to you. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, you know, I've gotten emails from people where I've got like three or four friends and I'm like, I'm adding somebody to the list that if I show up missing, I want you to know that give the, give the police this list because these people are insane. Um, well, people you know, do have an emotional buy-in, you know, sometimes, I mean, and, and that's kind of a testament to how well you write and, and, and kind of the creative universe you put together because if they get that much heat and they mm-hmm. give you that much heat about you messing with them, you, you know that they have an emotional buy-in to, to what you've written. Yeah. And so I try to take it as that. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it's insane. But, um, <laughs> no, so, I mean, in answer to your earlier question, like, that was sort of the biggest thing where it's like I was feeling this impetus to put the next book out. I was feeling this impetus to stay on top. I was feeling this impetus to keep riding the wave and establishing myself and, you know, kind of making myself a fixture of, this genre that I believe is going to be huge as time goes on. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of felt like, like a real pressure and a stress to that, uh, which uh-huh. is why, like I was putting, I put out a, one book every two, two months, just like, like clockwork. Um, wow. Which is why I put the last one out at the end of January. And I was, I like just took, decided to take some time for myself. I didn't write for about two, three weeks. I did rewrites of the earlier ones, like stuff, little, little things that I had been wanting to change. I, you know, educated myself about, you know, the best way to like do some Facebook marketing, the best way to do whatever else and made some connections and started going to fairs and stuff like that. Um, right. And I've been able to re- rediscover the kind of initial joy that I have. Or now it's like when I sit down with my laptop, you know, it's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm excited. I'm smiling. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the scene out and seeing how it develops. And, bringing, and breathing more life into my characters as opposed to feeling like I was in the rat race or that I was just fighting with these trolls or I was just doing whatever else. Um, sure. I've been able to get back to it, which is awesome. And, and so, I mean, that, that actually that's the negative that you turned positive because essentially what you did was you figured out what it was you needed to be the most productive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and happy and happy because yeah. you know what? If you're creative and you're not happy, sometimes there's yeah. a disconnect there that's that's going to make you stop. Or, yeah, or and it's going to come work. across in the work. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like this one, this book has become a lot bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. It's already longer than my first book was, uh, and I still have a lot more to say, but it's, it's flowing really easily. I, you know, I, I chuckle to myself when I write it, and that's what I wanted. Um, yeah. I want my writing to remain something that gives me – joy um and i've really made a conscious decision that whatever sort of like financial compensation or whatever fame or whatever else that comes with it has to be secondary because this is what you know is kind of giving me purpose and meaning and i won't sacrifice Mm -hmm. that um just out of curiosity what kind of what are your favorite games to play Uh, so my favorite game of all time has been civilization i feel like civilization 4 was when they really got it right um but i also so like that's a strategy world building kind of game um, it's like SimCity on steroids, basically. Sure. Uh, yeah, I played it a and, couple times. There you go. Uh, and, you know, I love shooters like everybody else. Like, I feel like the Halo 1 was definitely the best. You can't beat that pistol. 
Um, I was never big into sports games. I don't know. I was, I was never really big into sports. I moved every two years of my life when I was growing up. And in one place would be basketball, one place would be baseball, one place would be hockey. Um, so I grew up playing a lot of sports, but I was never really been a, all right, I'm not going to talk to anyone because it's Sunday kind of guy. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, those are, those are sort of the, the main ones, strategy and shooters. And then I played some, you know, role-playing games like anyone else. I never really got deep into the online role-playing game, though I played like all mm-hmm. of them a little bit because it, you know, it sure. just takes your life. You have nothing, you have no more time for anyone else. And right. it just wasn't really what I could be. Like I would say, I would have friends that would show up just all red-eyed, you know, like they just, you know, finished a three-day crack binge and they had just been playing yeah. Warcraft. Yeah. 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 Those, those are like, those are the people who would hang out at my house or excuse me, in my office. You know, they come in and, uh, you know, they, they, it was almost like they were punching in at 5.30 in the afternoon, you know, mm-hmm. every day, every, every work day of the week, and then they'd be punching out at 8.30 and going back to work in the same clothes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I was a facilitator. I was like a, I was like a, a yeah. what is that? You're, a pusher. You're, you're, a pusher. A pusher. You're, you're an enabler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it is, whoever came up with the idea, the initial idea for Warcraft, that if you don't play, you, your levels degrade, was an evil right. genius. Because that, oh, yeah. that, oh, that yeah. by itself was what made this a billion-dollar franchise, in my opinion. Because you have to play eight days straight to get to the highest level. You have to. Sure. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I feel like there should be some CNN dateline about, like, the marriages this has ruined. I feel like there's, there's well, definitely people out there like that. Well, not only that, yeah, you play your eight days straight, but, you know, every two or three days you still have to refresh. You have to jump in. So, but you have to, because otherwise you're degraded, and the, the quest that you wanted to go on for whatever else, um, I don't know. Like, and it stopped being, like, I, again, I never really got to that high level. But looking at it, it stopped being a little fun because it started just being, like, a math problem. It's not like, oh, I'm going to swing my sword. No, I'm going to get frustrated if whatever happens. It's like, you know, I have a 29.83% chance of success if we do X, Y, and Z. Right. Uh, it's not as fun as Kung Fu to me, you know, when I can just, duck, you know, <laughs> duck low and punch those little dudes that like to jump on my head. That's more fun, in my opinion. So... Let's talk about the interior of your stories. Um, you, okay. you mentioned uh, figuring out how how race played a role in your stories. Let's talk a little bit about that because you know obviously we're the Black Science Fiction yeah. Society dot com website, and you know there there's a you know there's the kind of like the collateral issue of creating things about us for us. You know the FUBU yeah. concept. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so how does that work for your stories? Um, so that was something that I had a very, very clear vision on how I wanted to approach it. Um, and so there were a couple like premises that I started with. First was that more than anything else, I wanted to write a fun story. I wasn't uh-huh. going to let anything get in the way of writing an enjoyable story that had the elements that I wanted, violence, you know, and comedy and wonder. So that, that yeah. number one was what I wanted. Um, but Wait, two, let, me, let me ask this one question because this will, this will, um, for what age group are you writing? <laughs> All right, so that is a question that I also considered and then just threw out the window. Um, my books are not what my mom would have wanted me to read at the age of okay. 10 or 12. But okay. at the same time, anyone that had cable on that scratchy number 99 channel has seen worse yep. stuff than some of my books. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, yeah, no, so, I mean, so continue. Yeah. I was just curious. I wanted to establish that for the audience because, you know, 
um, people do check out the show to see, well, is the, you know, is, is something coming down the pipe for my, that's age appropriate for my kids and what have you. But go ahead. Please. Go ahead. If, if your kids have the internet, they've seen much worse than what they're going to read in my books. But what okay. is in some of my later books is raw. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, I wanted to, so basically first thing was I wanted to create a story that was enjoyable. I wanted to be a wordsmith and that was the number one thing. Okay. Uh, but secondarily, it wasn't enough for me to just do that. I feel like it's really important for me to touch on various societal issues. So um, one of the first things that I did is I made my main character black. Said in the first couple pages, mm-hmm. you know, we put that out there. And the first book, despite all like the fun shenanigans that go on, is about him leading a slave revolt that is clearly said, but it's not overly, nobody's going to be like, hey, I read this story about a slave revolt. They're going to be like, oh, I read this really fun, you know, story about magic and video games. Um, okay. And so that leads me kind of to the third point that has sort of typified all of this for me. I don't like people that come and preach at me about how I should be. I don't want someone that's going to be like, hey, God's going to judge you. Hey, you need to do this. Hey, this is the only <laughs> right way. Um, but what I yeah. do like and what has been effective, in my opinion, is slowly desensitizing people away from their stereotypes. And that's why I made a conscious decision to use my real name when I wrote, and that's why I made a conscious decision to put up a picture of my black face next to my books. Because mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, mainstream or everyone else to, you know, just keep saying, like, oh, you know, look at these black people, you know, they're always robbing stuff, or oh, they're always, you know, rapping about killing cops, or they're always doing whatever else. Um, and I don't want to come out and be like, hey, don't try to, you know, pigeonhole me into whatever. Instead, I want them to be like, Oh, but you know, there's a story that I absolutely love and it's written by a black guy. So therefore, mm-hmm. whatever preconception I may have had before about race or about African-Americans or about whatever else can't be true because I love the way this dude writes. And that's sort of been how I've approached it. Mm-hmm. And okay, so that, that, that talks about you, but in, you know, even though your main character is a black character, um, what, to what extent I guess I'm kind of looking at what's the gestalt of race in your story is, is, okay. is it, is it incidental? Is it yeah. essential? So, you know, it, you know, different as, people write it different way. Yeah. As far as skin color um, sure. for like the various humans, it's an incidental right. thing that is okay. going to become more poignant because I'm going to have various nations of humans coming from, you know, various places and you can kind of identify them by, you know, the accents they have and their skin color. And that's something that I've, like, written to the backstory or whatever. But it, it hasn't really come up in that they're like, you aren't allowed in this, you know, tavern because you're black. But in a fantasy story, it's really easy for me. I mean, there's more races than just human, right? There's sprites and there's elves and there's goblins and there's minotaurs and there's whatever else. And that kind of thing comes up heavily. So, again, I'm, I'm writing a story where there's, like, you know, large divisions, there's large whatever, but in the middle of it, I will work in a scene where a quote unquote good guy is about to kill this other race just because he doesn't like him and Mm -hmm. how he gets checked on that and how they have to kind of reevaluate, you know, again, preconceived notions that lead you to these kind of things. Or, you know, there's another race where they're like, these guys are always good and these guys are always evil. And so you really look at the motivations and the actions of these quote unquote good and evil groups and see how the line's a lot more blurred. Um, so, again, it's always been the kind of thing that I address, but 
I'm very careful that I want to write about desensitization rather than preaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The, the biggest problem that I have with a lot of black media that comes out is that I don't want to see another show that's like, hey, I'm going to talk to you about being black. I want to see a version of Friends with six black people. That's just a really funny show that everyone can get behind. I want to see a version of, you know, I don't know, Lost with a lot more black people in it. But it's just these amazing actors that are telling these great dark stories where you have horrible and wonderful characters. And I feel like, you know, Blackish, honestly, is the only one, despite the name, that kind of walks that line where they're like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, talk about and confront issues of race and we're going to be very clear about it. But at the same time, we're making an enjoyable kind of, you know, show that can appeal to wide different audiences. And that's what I want to do as well. Yeah, to having, um, you know, white producers put together Mm -hmm. a show with black characters that treats us like a monolith is, I've had enough of that, you know. You, you, You don't see, you know, you'll have an empire that comes along. You'll have this, you'll have that. But see, these are always exceptions to the rule. And, yeah. and, and I think the greatest example of whitewashing and messing with something, you know, that you don't know anything about is why Dave Chappelle walked away from $50 million. Oh, yeah. You know, it, you know it, a, a lot of people go, oh, he was crazy. And, and I say, no, he was, he, he was a man of integrity. He wanted to yeah. do something, and white folks wanted him to do something else, and they thought just throwing money at him would make him do it. So, and yeah, he, I, I, quote, unquote, lost his mind and got out of his contract and rode off in the sunset with the other hundreds of millions that already paid him. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and just said, kiss my, well, you know what yeah, he said. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but, but so, so in your universe, race is incidental because you're dealing with more than just a handful of races. And, and, yeah, you're and dealing we're talking more than about just humans. Not, hum- yeah. not, not just human, but we're dealing with others. So, okay. And then... When you talk about the kinds of plots that you put together, are they are they typical kind of like RPG type stories where you have uh, a protagonist and antagonist, you have uh, pitfalls along the way, you have treasures to discover, you have cool things abounding, um, little nasty things, and is it typically like that, which is almost, you know. The, the matter of race is completely incidental. It's it's the gameplay or the 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 gameplay narrative that I think is driving the whole story forward. So it is apps for me, it is absolutely the gameplay narrative that drives it forward. And that's one of the reasons that I think people have stuck with me through six novels of the same storyline, because a lot of other people that start in this, it's like they start with the game thing as a hook and then they kind of go off on whatever tangent they want. For me, sure. the number one priority is always going to be to write an enjoyable story. I mean, that's it. So whenever I'm doing it, you know, I make sure that I check myself. Or like if I'm rereading a section, I'm like, you know what? I feel like, like this is something that I need to say, but it's not quite as fun or quite as punchy. I mean, like I'll just like put that to the side or I'll come back to it. Or I'll add something, you know, to sort of give it a little bit more because I want people to have a good time when they read my right. books. I'm not interested okay. in preaching at them. Um, and yeah. there are a lot of the dynamics that people love about RPGs, like quests and like loot and like finding the treasure and finding the dungeon and whatever else like that. But I also try to stay away from things that, you know, make it fail. So it's not like there's like this one good guy and this one bad guy. 
It's that you have a guy like my main character. He's kind of, you know, he's, he's a hero with like a, a, a bit of a dark side and that, and the things yeah. that he's willing to do, but the things that he stands for are, are, you know, are quite good. Um, but you know, with that being said, he's like, he goes out and he picks a fight that maybe he shouldn't have picked, even though it was quote unquote, maybe the right thing to do. And so he's accumulating these, you know, enemies and there's the consequences that goes with that. And sometimes the consequences are that some of his friends die. Some of the times the consequences are that he goes through these like, you know, horrible and speakable, you know, acts. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that was part of the realism that I wanted to bring to my work. And, and do you write, I, I, I know you mentioned that you have other people who, who are contributors to your universe, but hmm. we're the, we're no, the no, first there's no one else that contributes to my universe. No one else. Well, okay. Sorry. I, I misspoke. Um, but like your first six books you did all by yourself. Are you yeah. planning on doing the whole series, you know, just on your own? Or do you think you will take on collaborators? So there's been a lot of people that have been asking if they can write in my series and they're asking it varying from like, they just wanted to, you know, write up a fun little thing that they wanted to be able to talk to me about because they enjoyed it, that they wanted to, you know, put some fan fiction on their website so that they actually, you know, wanted to be like, Hey, you know, can't, will you allow me to do whatever? Um, So the number one thing that I, that I think about was like the legal aspect of it. Like, am I, you know, giving away something that I'm not going to get back and I'm not a legal scholar. Um, so until I was, I could get somebody with a, you know, something, something and something LLC to really tell me this is the ironclad thing. I, you know, I just say like, I, I this is copywritten. Thank you for the, you know, the compliment, but no, um, let now me, down let, the road. Let me make, maybe, okay. I don't know. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, and I was just um, say, like, if you've ever read the star Wars books, right. It's like yeah. several hundred books written by several different people. And, you know, maybe, down the road, maybe, but as of right now, like I would, like I would need to know chapter and verse how this went down before I even allowed a little bit of that. All right. The easiest thing for you to do is look around at some of these networking groups in Atlanta, you mm-hmm. know, net writers, networking groups, and find yourself an intellectual property lawyer. Okay, that's that's yeah. the that's the only way you're going to be able to protect yourself to the extent that you will feel satisfied. You know, if I if I judge you correctly. Because that, that's very important. You don't want to give anything away, and you certainly don't want to be obligated to having to put up with, uh, you know, maybe an asshole for uh, the rest of your literary yeah. days either. Yeah, couldn't I mean, have that. Nobody wants that. Yeah, nobody no. wants No, um, I'm way that, too that has... uh, H-N-I-C just in my life to ever really be able to deal with that, <laughs> just like real well, talk. You don't, you don't want um, to say that about all of because what if somebody invites you to be in their universe you know you just never know so i mean if i was going to see but like for me i'm the kind uh-huh. of person where i know that i will act in accordance to a, you know a certain set of morals and standards like if i'm in your house i'm not going to put my sh- yeah. shoes up on your couch unless you're like ah it's an old couch i don't care and i'm like okay i'll put my shoes up there's a lot of other people that will not even think about that or will put their shoes up just to see what you're going to do and <laughs> inevitably like violence ensues. So I just don't like to think of Rick James. I mean, it's true. In that skit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. Um, so, I mean, like, the, the bounds and, like, the potential of, you know, my genre and my own books, you know, I mean, I think they're very large, and I think I'm just, like, sort of scratching at the surface. But again, I come back to 
I'm already blown away by what I've done. I want to do more. I'm an ambitious person, but I would rather do less in the right way than do more and have it just be some mass produced crap or have it be something that I can't, you know, keep to the standards that I believe, you know, they want to be. Now, I mean, with that being said, if one of these giant named authors who, you know, is so much further in the craft than I am said, Hey, Alaron, I'd love for you to write a short story and whatever. I'd be like, I'm so honored. Thank you. Absolutely. And I would run it by them, but I know that about, I know I'm that kind of person and I don't trust that other people are that kind of person. Well, one of the things that I plan on doing, I've got a, I've got a series. It's going to be uh, uh, two trilogies and a seventh volume that's going to wind up everything. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to, one of the things that I will do is I will invite other authors to contribute short, short stories to an anthology in that series. You know, mine, mine is yeah. the Dark Side Universe. And so yeah. um, that does two things. First of all, it brings people to the table who, who have different orientations, different perspectives than I have and, and could be doing some really creative things. It brings some of their people to the table because if they're following that person as an author, you know, maybe some people will be, will be exposed to Dark Side who were not there originally. And, and yeah. the other thing is, is you know, um, I, you look at, at the success of Halo, you look at the success of Star Trek, you look at the success of Star Wars in terms of guest authors, you know, writing books in those yeah. universes. And, and it, there's almost no downside, you know, other than the fact that you might be having to kiss somebody's butt in order to write in their universe. Um, yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm seriously looking at that because we're getting to the point now where, you know, my trilogy has been out for, well, the whole thing's been done for over a year now. And, and five years down the road, there'll be enough people who might say, hey, you know, I, could, I, could, I, could, uh, I got an idea for this. So yeah. that's one of the things that I look at in, in terms of not necessarily, you know, being, I guess, parasitical on my part, but, but in spreading the wealth, you know, so. No, I think that, that has, Jesus. like, there's a lot of merit to the idea, a lot of merit to yeah. the idea. Um, it just yeah. kind of depends on what, one, the motivation is, and two, you know, what you're willing to allow to happen. Because, I mean, I imagine that scenario where you're inviting other people in, if somebody comes and gives you just a pile of garbage, you're going to be like, this is garbage, redo it, or just get out. And you maintain, right. you know, obviously full veto power. I mean, that, that, that sounds, oh, of course. you know, great. And then, you know, also, you know, the, I think the idea of writing like an anthology is, is really good. It's actually something I've been playing around with where, you know, as I bran- after this book, I'm going to be branching out into other storylines, stuff like that. And I'm, one of the things I'm going to do is an anthology and I'm probably will have, you know, a big contest giveaway for charity where I'm like, you know, enter, blah, 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 you know, cost five bucks, all proceeds go to charity, but the best story will be able to be added in. You know, I feel like there's a lot of different modalities, like you said, in the way that we can approach this, which is one of the things that makes it so exciting. Um, But as far as like my main storyline, honestly, I just, I'm just not at that level of comfort yet where I could let somebody like near my baby. (laughs) Um, let me give you an example. I don't know if you know any of these authors, but uh, have you heard of uh, Milton Davis and his Dark Universe? No, I don't. maybe not. Well, it, it, you know he does sword and sorcery, and and he has he has invited a number of uh, other authors. I, I've contributed a story just this year to his next anthology, and, yeah. and from an author's perspective, it's a lot of fun. 
You know, if yeah. you ever opened up your universe, I would download your your universe's Bible. I'd take a look at it, and then I'd say, dude, um, you know, Alaron, I'm thinking about I've got a, a, a twist on this part of your, your universe. Um, yeah. You know, how about I write a short story for it? And I think that that not only does that is that fun for me, but I think you know it's a it's a great networking tool too. You know, you you run into people who you wouldn't run into otherwise. I mean, I think that's I think that's a good idea. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the problems that I run into is you know managing the marketing, managing the you know the profile, managing writing the books, managing the editing, managing the format, managing everything else. It's just being a one stop shop. I really do feel right. like the ticking of time that as I'm investing in this one area, the other seven areas I'm not. And I've even gotten to the point where, you know, I'm starting to interview for personal assistance and whatnot. But again, like the intensity that I bring to everything, I need somebody, I need somebody that's so anal <laughs> that I'm like, yo, <laughs> you need to take a relax. And they're like, I got a job to do. And that's what I'm looking for. And I think anything else, <laughs> it may not work. Um, I, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. And, and you know, and and it's not like a bad thing on your part. What it is is you're just protecting your intellectual property and maintaining quality control, you know? And and none yeah. of that is bad. None of that is yeah. bad. Um, um, and I mean, oh, like, it works. Go ahead. It works. It yeah. works. I mean, it, yeah. like I said, it, it works for me and what I'm doing. I get that a lot of other people are not really wired the way that I am. Uh, I always feel better about myself because everyone's like, oh, Kong, you're so crazy. Until I meet my mom, they realize that I'm Kong light because she is a force of nature. Um, mm-hmm. She's like the real, the, the real, the real Kong, like knock down your, your cities kind of person. Um, so, but yeah, you just kind of make your peace with, you know, what's going to be beneficial. Like my personality and the things that make me and my story, let me be successful in this arena, mm-hmm. whereas other people's strengths might lend themselves in other various ways. And that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you do much uh, attendance? Uh, do you attend many con- uh, conventions and things like that? Sci-fi book, I've, whatever. I've only gone to but, one so far. Um, and, I, and that was one of the other things that I wanted to focus on because writing six books in 14 months, I didn't come up for air. I mean, I, I would right. just write. I would, every day I would wake up and I would write. I would eat. I would do whatever. I would write. I'd go to sleep. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd write. And that's just what I did. I just did that nonstop. And I wasn't really looking at, I was leaving money on the table because there were, I, while I was a writer, I was not engaging in being an author. And there were mm-hmm. a lot of things that I was missing. Um, so I plan on making sort of the cons and the attendance more of a, uh, you know, kind of more of a focus. But uh, I'm also, you know, very cognizant of what I'm doing with my time. And so that's another thing where I'm trying to like outsource and trying to see if there's other people that can help. I'm trying to hopefully find a personal assistant that can kind of, you know, straighten out this mass of snakes for me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the ones that I went to was Sankofa where, you know, I was able to meet Jarvis and I'd like talked to him online before, but, you know, that was really cool. That was really, you know, a nice way to connect. Um, so as far as, you know, doing those things in the Atlanta area, I, I'm definitely still interested in, you know, doing that kind of stuff, but it would have to be something really, serious and poignant for me to pack up however many pounds of books and merchandise and whatever else to get me to travel somewhere else. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I just want to have a beer and a broth too. So. Yeah, no, dude, I'm, I'm right behind you. I figure if ever, you know, I don't, I don't go to them right now to sign or to, uh, yeah, to sign books. 
I don't I don't mm-hmm. sell books out of the trunk of my car anymore. I did that for the first one. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, yeah. One of the things that I found out is that uh, one of the, sh- the the better means of attaining a certain amount of popularity and selling books is by uh, taking advantage of the cult of personality. You know, if people get to know you as a person and know that you write and they like you as a person, they're more likely to get your books and give you a try than anything else. And and that's my, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm like you, man, packing up those books. Even if I sent them ahead to the hotel and said, hold them until I get there, that's still yeah, a lot you're of still, work. You're schlepping them back and forth. And, you know, you're worrying about this and you're worrying about that. And it's like you have to have somebody else at the table if you want to use the bathroom. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of engagement where, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. while this is what I love, I've learned early on in life that you can't devote yourself 100% to one thing. It's always losing proposition. So, I mean, I got to go spend time with my niece and nephew. I got to, you know, read books that I want to read. I got to, you know, spend time with my girl. I got to, you know, do anything else that I want to do so that I may remain a vibrant human being so that my work doesn't stagnate into this just, you know, one trick pony. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was great, but I don't know. Kind of just want to have fun too. So, well, for years, Jarvis kept telling me, man, you gotta, you gotta do the convention circuit. You gotta go do this. You gotta meet people. You gotta, you know, you gotta get your name out there. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I think it's enough that I am an award-winning Japanese and people should know that and should buy my uh, my my books anyway. But but then when I actually went to one, you know, the 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 part about meeting the people, the part about networking, and and you know, running into people like, well, I, I've been to two national conventions. I went to WorldCon in oh, where the hell was it? Kansas City. And I went to Boscone in Boston, and in both um, conventions, I ran into people who I interviewed for the show, but I had never met in person. That, to me, was, was cool, a cool enough reason to go, you know, to, to kind of build your network that way. Um, yeah. And, and, and for you, you know, if, if you're going to start doing this and, and, and attending, you know, obviously one of the things is you want to make sure people know you're going to be there, so stick your 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 appearances in blacksciencefictionsociety.com's events calendar. You know, where you're yeah. going to be, let's say you're, you're going to be at this, you're going to be at that, put it there. Because, you know, if I'm if I'm going to be in Atlanta for a weekend, I'm going to look on the calendar and see what events might be there and see who's going to be there. Yeah, I think what, like, what Jarvis built with this thing is awesome. I, You know, I wish that, like, because knowing how many black people are involved in science fiction, you know, I'm like, you know, I bet there's a lot that still don't even know about it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome because I mean, I feel like a lot of times you feel like, well, I'm the one guy that likes sci-fi and you're like, no, 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 there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are into this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I plan to make the appearances more of a, a feature and a facet, but also, mm-hmm. like I said, every minute that I'm spending, you know, doing that is a minute that I'm not spending doing something else that is also <laughs> beneficial. So. <laughs> okay. But it. Yeah. I, I get you. I get you. But you know, I did. I did figure out that in in the, in the final analysis, it's all important. You yeah, know, all of that. it is important. And not only that, but you want to be a well-rounded guy anyway. You know, you don't want to be just a writer. You don't want to be in a basement on a keyboard or you know wherever you're upstairs or whatever. You 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 know, there's you've got more to offer. 
you know, people. Well, you know, I am also a black and East American, just like you. Are you really? Yeah, in, my in granddaddy was my granddaddy was stationed in Japan during World okay. War II, or my grandmother, who's full blooded Japanese. But my okay. mom is half black, half Japanese. Yeah. Man, you got it. You got it coming and going. Yeah, yeah, my dad. My dad was uh, second generation out on the West Coast, and then you know got locked up during World War II. And my mom's yeah. folks were were from Oklahoma, and they got chased out of Oklahoma because uh, the the white cattlemen didn't like how successful my grandfather and his brother were um, yeah. as cattlemen. So they said, uh, you know, well, we got this nice rope here that we could try out, yeah. and and so they, you know, they ended up having to come up to uh, to the Chicago area. So yeah, really? I um, I like being one of the uh, you know the only Japanese out there who's writing realistic fiction from Chicago. Or just one of the only. Period. I mean, there's not. There's, yeah. You know, you see black and Korean, you might see black and Chinese. You don't see a lot of black and Japanese. It's just it's not a no. very common. I mean, there's a lot less Japanese people, but still, it's just not a very common combination. And yeah. and surely not as old as I am, because you know I did this before Tiger Woods, before Barack Obama, <laughs> before anybody. You know, um, so but. But that's the other thing, too. You know, that goes back to what I said about us not being a monolith. I mean, here you are writing lit RPG. I'm writing spec fic with, uh, you know, with, with social justice themes. And then you've got others doing this, Sword and Soul. You've got steampunk. You've got steampunk. You've got, yeah. um, you've got, you've got uh, oh, how many different, you know, kinds of fantasy do we have out there? We've got vampires. We've got werewolves. We've got... We got Lady of the Lock. We got you know more stuff than I can shake a stick at, and then we've got horror. You know there yeah. there is black horror, which to me seems oxymoronic because you know we don't last <laughs> long life. in any of these horror movies. You know we, <laughs> no. you know we 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 don't go out to the woods where the escaped convict is hiding, and then decide mm-hmm. to take a shower. That ain't us. But you know? no, it's good that we know that because I actually remember I was in college and I'm walking home with my boy from like the frat houses, and I'm like, yo, let's cut through, you know, over here. And he's like, nah, man, that's the graveyard. And I was like, ah, don't be a wuss, let's do it. And, he, and this white dude turns to me and goes, fine, we'll do this, but you're black, and you're going to die first. And I looked at him, and we walked our, we walked our butts right around. I was like, that is a that's valid exactly point. Right. That is a valid that's point. Exa- um, but, yeah, black horror, I mean, you could just, you know, open the newspaper. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, God, it's the scariest thing that you could think of. I mean, just like what happens even in 2017 – to people of our skin color on a regular basis. I mean, it happens so frequently that it's normalized now. You yeah. hear another story yeah. about it, you know, another horrible thing, and people are like, wait, didn't I just read this? But no, no, it's, 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 it's another story. I mean, yes, I mean, but I love that. But, you know, I've also, I also, lo- one of the reasons that I put my, the other piece I'm going to put my face up, the reason, reason I use my real name, is that I've had young brothers and sisters, you know, reach out to me, and they're like, you know, I never really knew that there were other you know, black people writing in science fiction and fantasy. I thought I was, you know, the only one. Everyone made fun of me because I didn't want to, you know, play ball more and I wanted to read these books or I wanted to watch these movies. Um, because there are a lot of African-American writers. But unfortunately, I feel like, again, when people think of it, they're just thinking of, like, don't date them, girl, or there's going to be two super hot people on the cover that are half-dressed. And, you know, you can't hate on those authors for doing that because they're, you know, they're, like, in the top 100 on Amazon sometimes. Um, they're sure. doing what they need to do, but you know, it's not really what I'm interested in reading. And I'm happy that there's, you know, other, you know, people that are coming up that are, you know, like us that can see 
me as a, hey, I can do that too, which I think is gigantic and huge for well, the future of our, our people. Here's a number you might find surprising. Um, and I, I figured this out after I got back from uh, Boston, the Boston Convention, Boston, because that that's a pretty white convention. And it's funny that every African-American <laughs> who was at no, the no convention, <laughs> every single African-American at that convention I knew personally. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure I, I, I just, you. Well, but, they, you know, they not me because I I look Puerto Rican, so they wonder okay. well, who the hell. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> but yeah. but um, I figured out that right now, <laughs> writing in science fiction, fantasy, and horror, there are, I know of not personally, but I know there's about three thousand authors out there. That's an incredible I, number. I had no, no idea but, about that. Exactly. No. And why don't we know that? You know, I know. It's not in, like in we have to read sense. every single one of their books. Yeah. You know, I didn't know I you no before, idea. you know, earlier the week in the week, but but the fact of the matter is I knew I I now know you exist. You know, I knew you existed yeah. before I knew who you were. Because when you think about three thousand African Americans who are writing in fantasy, science fiction and horror, that's a number that nobody knows. Nobody sits down to think about oh, and poetry. Poetry too. Because um, I was thinking of Linda Anderson, although she does write uh, she does write uh, fantasy stuff, but still, I mean that's that's an incredible number. And one of the things that I'm getting ready to do is this fall, I'm going to start pushing to gather um, 50 African American creatives, mostly writers, and I'm going to try to get them to to show up at the uh, Worldcon uh, convention in San Jose. For 2018, as a block, so, as a group, I would I would show up for that. I think that that would be a would great you thing to do. Yeah, no, I would absolutely do that. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer in putting you know your money where your mouth is, and you know having it be a positive thing. I'm just not a big believer in randomly, you know, somebody ringing a bell and everyone jumping on a train. It accomplishes nothing. But having a group of black artists that are focused on you know creating fiction and stuff like that, even taking a picture that can float around will could have a positive impact on people's lives. And we would never know. And especially like the network and anything like that would be an amazing thing as well. Just to be like, Hey, you know, this is what I've dealt with. This is the kind of stuff. And, you know, even just like the camaraderie and the fellowship, I think would be worth, you know, the trip in my opinion. Well, and, and the other thing that I'm shooting for, and, and it goes partly back to the cult of personality, but it also goes to the, to the fact that I'm, I'm one of the perfect people who could do that. I am determined to be the master of ceremonies at either the Hugo or Nebula Awards. As, I mean, that'd be as, awesome. a, as an example of not only diversity, but the fact that there are people out there who are of color who are as good or better than any white, white other author out there. You and know, what um, my other goal in life is to win a Hugo Award one day. Uh, yeah, right now, oh, absolutely. We've, we've had N.K. Jimson has done it, though I read, you know, it shocked me when I started being a writer because I read her book like five years ago. And it wasn't until I was Googling, hey, I wonder if there's other black authors. I'm like, oh, this is a black woman. I had no idea. Zero right. idea that she was a black right. woman. Yeah. I don't know, which is also yeah. a problem, in my opinion. Yeah. Unfortunately, I worry about winning all my stuff posthumously. Um, <laughs> that happens too. That happens too. I, that, I would be I would be really upset about that. 
um, let's let's turn around and look at the kind of like how how is your process? Okay, you talked about writing almost around the clock continuously to get the six six books out, but yeah. let's talk a little bit about your process. How do you put together your 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 plot? Like for me. I always come up with a great ending, what I think is a great, ironic, or unexpected ending, and then I'll write a whole book to get to that ending. Um, what, okay. what is your process for your, uh, you know, the way, the way you handle your book? Yeah, mine, I mean, it, it's not really, it's not nearly as uh, linear uh, for me. It's, uh, like, I always know roughly where I want to go. Like, I know the broad strokes of what's going to happen. And then me writing in a given day will flesh it out. And there's been times where I've actually had to change where I was going to end up because of, you know, the natural evolution of the story. Um, sure. For, for me, the ending, I, so like one of the things, one of my focuses and one of the things that I wanted more than anything else was to make people laugh when they were reading my book. So I will absolutely like create scenarios or create things. Cause I thought of something that was just, you know, horrible or ridiculous or funny that I want to be able to work organically inside of it. And I will even, you know, I've changed the plot lines of some books because I thought of like a, like an ending that was just so ridiculous, so audacious, so whatever, that I just couldn't resist, you know, putting it out there into the atmosphere. Um, but, you know, like I said, with that being said, I always have an idea about where I want to go but I'm always more than open to just abandoning everything if I find that it develops in a different way that's strong and is, you know, worthy of the story that I'm trying to commit. And, you know, honestly, it's just fun. Uh, that's what I wanted people to have when they w read my books. Like when I said it's like watching a movie with The Rock, it's because, you know, and even Roxanne, I'll, I'll probably take a look at it. Now, there's, you know, some swinging and misses, you know, no sweat, no gain. That movie was horrible um but for the most part i'm going to have a good time uh and that's mm -hmm. what i think people um are getting from my work more than anything else so i've got like i said i've got I've, I've got so specifically um i always know that like there's various scenes that i want to hit in the book but also when i'm writing like the previous book or you know when i'm writing the book i have another document that says like notes about this book about like a cool scene I'll think of or a cool point that I want to make or like, you know, a plot development that I want to get to that I'm not there yet. So like with my book right now, you know, I, like I said, I'm already farther along. It's already bigger than my first book was, but I also have, I think 33 pages of single space, like bullet point notes of stuff that I still have mm -hmm. to add to the sure. book once it's done. Just these like fun scenes and stuff like that, that I want to do. Wow. And and then um, in in a day, how much time do you think you're spending per day, and is it a seven day a week thing with you? So it is. Hello. Um, that takes up a lot of time. I just finished this morning four nights okay. in a row, um, and they were like twelve hour shifts. So right. I'll write during that and during those days to a certain extent, but I'm also just kind of exhausted to a little bit. Um, oh, sure. Now, yeah, when I'm not on, every, it's become a ritual for me every morning when I wake up, I've got like 30 emails to answer. Um, and they could either be from fans or they could be from, you know, other authors that I'm working on, you know, various things with, or it could be, you know, <clears throat> like one of my mentees 
has an issue with something or it could be, you know, my dad needs me to look something up for him or, or whatever else. And honestly, that's been taking about like every morning when I wake up, that takes like two hours to just mm-hmm. like get through these things, you know, flesh out other little ideas that I have and whatever else like that. And then I usually just like have my laptop, you know, in my lap and I just start writing. I've got like a movie on in the background. Um, I almost positive I have undiagnosed ADD because I need to have like a thousand <laughs> different things going on at once. Um, and, you know, and that's just sort of what I do. And there's times where it's like, I'll be watching this movie and just be laughing and realize that I haven't really, you know, written that much over the past hour and a half. And there's other times where, you know, somebody will have been talking to me for 30 minutes and I have no idea because I'm just like, you know, I banged out 50 pages in the past hour and a half. Um, and, you know, it varies. Yeah. We're very similar in that respect. Um, at, you know, on my main machine at home, I've got, uh, I've got twin monitors and I'll always have, you know, a bunch of tabs open in my browser and I've got yeah. a movie going or music or, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and right now, let's see, I've got, uh, I got two short stories and a book mm-hmm. open up in, in word perfect because I use a real writer's tool, not that word crap. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> and so, um, and, and I think, I think that people who have, you know, I, and I, I'm not blowing my own horn, but I think people who have highly creative minds do have a mind that can juggle a number of balls at one time. You know, I don't know yeah. if I would call it ADHD, but it it could very well be like that. I have found most writers who write like you and I do are stimulation junkies. They need yeah. some things going in order to maintain kind of like the high you need in order to produce. Yeah. You know? So, no, I agree. Um, and, 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 and thank God it's not meth or cocaine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No. Well, yeah, at least not absolutely. with me. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I agree. I said that to somebody the other day. I'm like, I am addicted to fruit snacks. Like, I will leave the okay. house at 3 a.m. to get some shark bites. So I'm really right. happy I never got addicted to cocaine because this would be a bad story. That story about oh, it man. would be sad. It would be no good. I, I will just say um, this, and this is all I'll say. The last year I did coke, I spent 75 grand on it. You know, I could have had a boat. You know what I'm saying? Had a boat. I could have had a boat. Yeah. Or you could, I could have had a smaller two, boat two, and, and some really hot cars. people on that boat. Yeah. Two cars. That is so, way too much. No, that's and, – and that's – first of all, I don't think you can sustain that for very long. I mean, I, the reason why I quit was I knew if I kept doing it, I'd die. You know? Well, there's no so happy endings with coke. They're just, well, they're just in, or, or alcohol. Look at the Hemingway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. No, if you, if no, you need no, like, a substance, yeah, if you need a substance to drive your creativity, the chances are pretty good you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer mm-hmm. badly for that. Yeah, so yeah. no, that's that's not the way. Um, but when people say, where do you come up with your crazy ideas, I have to readily admit that maybe there was some pharmaceutical help involved. <laughs> so honestly, because it's like, you know, when I walk in different parts of my life, people get a, sure. you know, different different versions of me to a certain extent. Like when I'm at work, like, you know, I'm like, this is what's going on. And there's a few people that I've known well enough that I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, we can talk, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But for everyone else, I'm like, yep, this is what's up. Yes, sir. This is how we do it. No, ma'am, whatever. I don't, this is how I want to do things. And I'm very reserved. And so, you know, they may think that, you know, I'm just this sort of solid kind of person. And then with my, when I'm with my friends, you know, we're joking around laughing about the stupidest stuff ever. Um, 
so for me, like, you know, I never really know when I'm going to have, like, when I'm going to see something funny and I will immediately pull out my phone and put, put like that note in my notepad because I feel like it can expand. Or when I see this amazing piece of art and I'm like, I immediately know a storyline that can happen with that. Um, you know, you never I, really know. I have, yeah, I have just become like that. You know, I'm, I'm new to that thinking. And I think it's just because I was, I wasn't doing, one of the things that, uh, well, okay, all my books, my first three books are like 220,000 words a piece. All right, mm-hmm. that's a lot of words. All right, that's like five, 600 pages. But yeah. now that I'm getting into short stories, I, I'm, I'm becoming more like the way you already are, which is if I see something that inspires me, I have to figure out a way to remember it. You know, yeah. and I'm telling you, a cell phone, too, you know, these smartphones, they can give you everything. They can give you video. They can give you, you yeah. can write a note on it. So, so yeah, and, and so for your process, you can get, you can see something and it will drive an idea into your head and, and, and you'll be able to elaborate on that with ease, right? Yeah, I mean, you really, really can. And honestly, one of the only things that makes me desolate is if I have like a really amazing idea and I'm getting excited about it in my head and then I get distracted or I get busy and I try to recall it and it's gone forever. And I'm like, you know what? Like that's, that was like a piece of creation that I didn't capture is the way that it feels yeah. to me. And, um, or magic, so yeah. magic that didn't happen. Exactly. You know, you never know. And, you know, I mean, it's even like today, like, you know, it happens every day where, you know, I don't really like go to sleep so much as I lose consciousness because I'm just going, going, going. So my body shuts down. So I was writing uh-huh. last night and I started doing this thing where it's like, I feel that I'm like on like empty. And so I will just put the caps lock and just bang out whatever ideas that I, you know, just had in my head and finished. And so like this morning I finished the scene and then I went back to those notes and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so much funnier. And then I was able to add that in and it, it uh-huh. really sort of fleshed out that particular scene. And if I hadn't, you know, taken the time to record and cement that one moment in time, my work would forever be just a little bit less, which is unacceptable sure. for me. Yeah. I had a I had an idea for a book about 20 years ago, and I lost all the files for it, and I tried to recreate it, and I can only think of, like, four things, and it's a, I mean, and I'm not stealing anything, you know, somebody else could try to do it, but they're not going to do it as well as I do it anyway, but I, it was like 101 titles of books I haven't written yet, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you, if you want to be ambitious, you know, and, and I, can you imagine, oh, no, you already did, you bastard, I could write 100 <laughs> books. I, <laughs> But, but, you know, I'm, I'm coming at it more from, from humor, but you actually have a series that, that could go, conceivably could go that way, go, go oh, that yeah. long, which, which yeah. I, I really admire you for. I do. You know, the, um, and, and now you talk about writing a book that quickly, you know, in yeah. uh, just a matter of – what's the average time? So, I, so it was every – so if you average six books in 14 months is what it shook out to be. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, that's pretty damn amazing. Um, when, when you're writing at that speed, is your mind also considering, I mean, obviously, you know, the way you said you write, the ending of book number four immediately commences with the beginning of book five. Um, 
when when you're in the process of writing, it it almost seems like you're writing even though within the book it's not linear because they could go from A to C to B to D to E and then up to F. But it, it seems like you have got a linear arc that that's kind of allowing you to to write at will, I would think, in, in terms yeah, of crafting is. your stories. Yeah. It is. And that was and, the and other is, thing is, that I did when I started uh-huh. was I, did, I created a framework and a world that let me go wherever I wanted to go. Um, because I didn't really know, I mean, my magic system, my world, my, the, politic, the politics, the backstory, the history. I mean, for every book that I put out, I've probably written two books of just backstory that people will probably never see. And some people never even notice, but it's important mm-hmm. for me to be, for it to be internally consistent. But I was only able to do that because I mean, like, so my, all of my books so far are taking place in this, you know, piece of land called the River Peninsula, which objectively is about the size of the United States mile-wise dimensions, but it's on a planet that is the size of Jupiter. So it's like, okay. you know, people are looking at, you know, the inner goings of what's going on right now, but they have no idea what's happening across the sea or over this mountain range or anything else like that. And that allows for me to, you know, one, you know, start other storylines that can be in the same realm and they can have like a crossover down the road or something like that. But also, you know, it, it lets me expand the magic and the fun and the loot and whatever else like that in a way that stays stimulating, in a way that won't let it get stale, in a way that I'm not just regurgitating the same stuff. Um, like watching the last couple, you know, episodes of Lost where you're like, I hate this show, but I've committed four <laughs> years, so I need to know what happens. That's not what I want for people that are reading my work. Um, yeah. 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 So. And, and what kind of feedback have you gotten other than those those few complaints that you jokingly told us about at the beginning where you, you deliberately messed with, uh, <laughs> you, you went to the well and, and stirred it up the wrong way? I did. Um, and I also was doing, uh, like, some insanely unforgivable cliffhangers because in my family we just, like, messing with people. So I, found, I thought it was funny as hell. Uh, <laughs> they did not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've gotten, like, remarkably good feedback. I mean, there's some people that don't like it. But right. out of for my for my six books, uh, three of them have five out of five stars on Amazon, and mm-hmm. the other three have four and a half out of five stars on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So overall, the feedback has been you know extremely positive. Um, but also, all right, hold on one second. I'm just doing this. Blah, blah, blah. You there? Uh oh, looks like he uh he accidentally disconnected. I'm sure he'll be dialing back in shortly. Um in the meantime, let's see what else is going on. Uh for those of you who have been anxiously awaiting me to do my lines for Earth Squadron, I apologize. I just got uh <clears throat> the um uh, audio hardware to do that, and I just have to figure out how to make it quiet enough in, in some place in my house so that I can record. It's kind of funny because some voiceovers I did uh, for another movie short, I actually had to do inside the guy's hall closet with all the coats to absorb all the sound and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think I want to do that here only because I know what's in my closet. 
Um, let's see, who do we have coming in here? No. Anyway, um, hopefully we'll get Jarvis on in a little bit, you know, just before we close so that we can figure out who, um, where things are with Earth Squadron. And once we go from there, uh, hopefully we can have a big update pretty soon. Hello? Uh, Jarvis, you might want to mute that. At least, uh, at least Al's in the uh, in the chat room. Does anybody have any questions that they would like for me to ask him when he gets back? Because I would be more than happy to do that. Um, I hope I hope uh, Aleron can get back. If not, uh, Jarvis, are you upstairs or downstairs? You want to talk about uh, talk a little bit about Earth Squadron? The only reason why I say that is because I feel bad that I haven't done my lines yet and sent them up to you. Hello? Yeah, I got you. You can hear me? Yeah. Uh, you're good, man. Um, as like I said, we still have probably about a dozen more characters coming in piece by piece. So don't okay. spread it. But, yeah, we're, we're in that... Fourth stage before the major animation phase, and in the meantime, we're getting these different voices in, tweaking characters a little more, and and things of that nature. So it's all when good. I, yeah. Um. I'm. Do you want me to do each one of my lines as a separate file, or uh, how do you want me to do it? I could do them all as one file in one file, and then you could just cut them up. All one file and probably a couple of different inflections. Okay. You know. You know. All righty. You know, this won't be my movie debut. I was in a, uh, what was it? Sidney Poitier movie first. What? Um, yeah, my dad and I were in San Francisco, and they were shooting, oh, Al, Al, Al's back online. Hey, I'm back. Sorry about that, man. Oh, there you go. That's okay. Sorry, right, yeah. Um, Plugging my phone was, in and hit the end button by mistake. Don't worry about it. Let me let me just tell tell this story real quick. Uh, what Jar, Jarvis was talking. Um, so we were walking down the street and they were filming this movie and I I forget what it was. It wasn't not Mr. Tips, maybe the organization or something. And we were walking behind, way down the street. You know, Sidney Poitier was in the in the front ground, and I didn't oh. know we were going to be in the movie. And then my dad found out, and we went and saw the movie, and there I was. You know, there we were wow. walking. I was really young. Anyway, so now that you're back, um, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what we were talking about at the I'm time. Not sure either. <laughs> but um, I, not I sure do either. have a question. I do have a question about, you know, when you when you did your first book. Let's talk about that whole thing. What what was the process in getting your book published? Did you self-publish? Um, and, and I, I if did. You did. And and so, how was that process for you? Was it something that was difficult to manage, or did you have people who could help you along? 
um, what what was the deal with that? Because for me, I actually had I had uh, an agent help me do that, do my first self publish. Well, so I did I did I did it self publish, but I did not do it alone. Um, I got to give a shout out to my boy uh, James uh, James, who is my best friend here. I'd been talking about wanting to write for about a year, but again, was like, ah, oh, that'll never really happen. He booked me, sure. he bought me a book of how to start your first novel that I never read or even opened up the first page, <laughs> but it was still a show of support. Right. Sure. And then he bought me this beautiful leather bound kind of like journal. He's like, just put your books in here. And I never wrote one piece of ink on that page. Uh-huh. But again, it was a show of support from my best friend. Um, so he kind of like really helped me lay the stage. And then he knew a guy who was a writer who did this sort of like how-to thing. And the guy was like, yeah, you know, you're my buddy. You know, my, uh, my friend is a Marine. He's like, yeah, you know, I used to serve with this guy. Here's, and he gave me this just like PDF document. I was like, just don't share it around. Um, and it had a couple like practical things about like, you know, this is how you, you know, do it and blah, blah, blah. Because when I first started writing, I didn't even, I thought I was going to have to get a, you know, an agent and a, and a publisher. And I only knew what I'd seen on TV. I had no idea that you could self-publish on Amazon. So sure. there were some growing pains in like learning how to format and where to get, you know, a good cover and other stuff like that. But what's amazing is how simple it is if you have somebody just to sort of key it along. Anyone that's listening that wants to start writing, all you have to do is go to Kindle Direct Publishing, which is an Amazon sort of website. You make a free profile. You upload your book, upload a cover. In 72 hours, you're a published author. Now, whether or not people actually read it or like it, that's <laughs> a completely different story. But um, no, I had to do all of it my, myself. And I found that getting other people to help me has kind of been more counterproductive than anything else. I've wasted thousands of dollars on three different editors that were just all straight garbage, in my opinion. Um, one person like edited it and I'm like, you know, I'm still seeing a lot of errors here. And she said, well, you can't expect me to fix everything. And I said, isn't that why I'm paying you to do this? Right. Um, right. Apparently she had a very different conception about exactly what she should be doing as a proofreader. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of things that have happened as I've evolved. Like right now, I also have to get a shout out to, um, I've got a team of like five guys that help me as beta readers. And they're basically uh-huh. guys that like, you know, I met, you know, between books one and three that really like the story. They're like, hey, you know, I used to be an English major or whatever. I'll take a look at it. But now it's like they know my story. They know my work so well that it goes to them before it goes to anybody else. And not only are they catching like, hey, you use the wrong tense of your, or hey, you, you, you know, you put a period here when, you know, it should be a comma, but they know the feel of my characters. And they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this person said something, but the, the tone really felt more like Scion than Bayon. And then I'm like, oh, you're totally right. Um, and I didn't catch it just because I'm going up, you know, a thousand miles a minute. So, yes, I am a self-publisher. I am an independent publisher, but in no way have I done this myself. I could not do anywhere near this kind of stuff without, like, the awesome support of, like, just dudes that I've never met face-to-face, but honestly are friends at this point. Um, Mm -hmm, You know, we mm -hmm. talk regularly. We may even talk every day. Um, So, yeah. 
Yeah, and beta readers are very important. And the fact of the matter is you can't edit your own stuff. No. You know, it, it just can't be done. Um, I know mm-hmm. people who swear up and down they can do it. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is finding a perfect book is tough. You know, I was rereading mm-hmm. one of uh, a Heinlein book uh, late last year. And mm-hmm. when I got, when I was going through it, I said, oh, my God, there's typos in here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you think just because it was from the golden age, it would be that much more put, well put together. But no. uh, it, it, it's tough because I guess it's a different time. You know, I, I, I don't know what else to say. Plus, perfection is tough. You know, finding is. perfection is. is almost impossible. My um, beta readers, so, take it most seriously, read my books yeah. backwards now. Well, that's, that's like, how you have to do it. You have to do it yeah. line by line going backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably. I, one of the I, I just could not ways. do it. I could not sit still long enough to do that. So I, I love those guys. They get anything they want from me. Yeah. <laughs> and then when when you look at uh, oh, tell us a little bit about how you do your covers. Um, do you have an artist on on the hook for for that, or or how do you do that? I do, I do. So my first artist um, I found through Fiverr, uh, which mm-hmm. is an awesome website for anybody that you know is just sort of up and coming because the prices are usually like really, really good. And I still use that guy for my graphics and like if I'm getting some t-shirts done or something like that. Um, But, you know, while they were very distinctive, they were black and gold, like I'm an alpha, there was that kind of connection that I was getting in there. Um, They weren't like as sort of polished and mainstream as was going to get like a lot of different other kind of people. So I, I hunted around for a good month and a half looking at, various people's works. And I finally found this guy who I love what he was doing and he was willing to put up with me because I am a perfectionist as far as like what I want done. And so I had him do about literally probably 50 iterations of the first book. And it finally turned out to have every element and the feel of what I wanted. And when that worked out, I paid him to do the other six books. And that took about eight months for him to do it because he really is like an artist creating this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it definitely costs more, but I've gotten a much greater like return in sales. Like do people just view them differently now. And honestly, they're just kind of beautiful covers that I'm proud of. Um, so I will stick with, you know, both of those guys for, you know, one guy for like my various graphics and whatever else. And this other guy just for my covers, like as long as we can work together. Um, yeah. So again, and, and an author, but didn't do it on my own. Yeah, but and 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 the truth of the matter is, people do judge a book by its cover. Um, oh, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. I, I, and that's one of the things I tell people: people only judge a book by its cover, and then they judge it by the stars, and then they may judge it by like the little blurb. Probably not. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And, and your books are they inv- available in both? Uh, paper and electronic, or are you mostly a Kindle author? So I'm, I mean, by far, I mean, like less than 1% of my sales come from paper sales. Um, but mm-hmm. they, the first two books are available on paper. And honestly, it's just another one of those things where like, it's just kind of a pain in the butt to format the books into print. And, you know, there are times where I had time off and I'd rather just go hang out or party with my friends and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, <laughs> it's another one of those things where it's like, I need... Like, you know, I need the help. I need the system. But, like, I've actually hired someone on for a couple of weeks to do that. And they're like, yeah, I'm done. And I would look it through it. I'm like, no, 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 you missed this thing. You need to redo this. And then they would say three days later, oh, I'm done. And I'm like, 
no, no, but there's this other thing. Why are you not checking it? And finding someone that is diligent enough and just cares enough about a work ethic to do the right thing, you know, I mean, that, that's, another, that's another battle. Um, so the first two are, but I, I mostly just do those for, like, my fans that want to sign copy or, like, when I was at the, um, you know, the Sankofa Con, uh, people loved coming to my table because I'm like, hey, you have a free book. And I was just like, I just decided to, whatever I handed out, I just use it as a tax write-off and use it to like garner more support and more, you know, I've used it just as advertising. Um, sure. So that's, that's mostly what I use it for. Not a, I mean, anything that works it, when you, when you create that one-on-one relationship with your fans, um, yeah. there, there is nothing stronger. I don't think there's anything stronger than that one-on-one relationship. I agree. Um, because, again, that goes back to the cult of personality that I talked about at the beginning of the show that's so important in, in, in reaching people in, in the most effective way. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about doing the business, uh, being about the business of doing business, um, mm-hmm. I, I've put, I, I have called it myself the 80-20 rule where – 80% of what I do is based on business in terms of my, my authorship, and 20% is the actual creativity of doing the writing. Um, what, yeah. do you, what do you think yours is? Does that sound about right for you? Um, I wouldn't say it's – I mean, so if you look at the hours that I spend, then yeah. I think that it, it could maybe be similar to that. But I also feel like the, the product – is going to be more important. I mean, like if I had, I mean, hell, if Jay-Z said, hey, everybody read Alaron's books, I could have a product that was, you know, just the worst thing anybody ever read. People are going to buy it because Jay-Z said it. So, I mean, that's like one side of the spectrum. Um, But, you know, for me, just being like a normal guy out here, um, yeah, I made moves to try to support the, um, you know, the genre. And yeah, I made moves to try to make my name synonymous with the genre. And yeah, I've made moves that I thought were, beneficial for me in a business way, but if people didn't like my books, if I had, you know, three out of five, two out of five stars on Amazon for everything, it wouldn't matter how hard I'd worked. So now that I've written the books, you know, pushing them forward, yeah, maybe sometimes like 80 to 50% of my time uh, will be in continuing to rep them, learning about marketing and stuff like that. Um, but without that 100% of my time where I initially put into making a good product, I don't think any of this would be happening. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is you know, you're you're going to be the best advocate for your own stuff, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you, you can't get somebody else to advocate for you. Well, unless you have a, a full-on agent. You know, if you have a full-on agent, obviously they've got a, a financial stake in what you do, how you do it, how well you get paid, and things like that. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, agents again, are, are possibly dangerous as well, though, because well, I've had agents reach be. out to me, but they weren't they aren't the agents that I want representing me. Um, and sure. what I see a lot is, you know, they're not necessarily messing with like the small fish, but like the medium sized fish authors. Um, they'll snatch you up and they'll like put you under contract and say I get like fifteen percent, but then they won't do anything. They're they're mm-hmm. they're just playing a numbers game. They're swiping right on Tinder nonstop, hoping that something happens. Um, they're not really willing to invest in you. Um, right. So I mean. You know, I actually say that to some of these other authors as well, where I'm like, yeah, I, I know it feels great to be picked, but uh, 
really look at who's picking you. Um, because you can well, be on the hook for a decade. Yeah, and they exploit the desperation of creatives. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, cr- creatives are some desperate little monsters. I'll be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> because there, there's, there's always kind of the air of this desperation. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's the desire to do well or to make that break, and yeah. and uh, you know, thieving people will try to exploit that, that oh, yeah. need. And and give you nothing, and and so again, that's another that's another beware moment, and and I think that's where a networking community comes in best, you know, it, where yeah. it serves it serves people best because there are people out there, you know, when people come to me and ask me about a certain aspect of the industry, at least I'll give them what I think is the best answer I possibly can. But mm-hmm. but when you have when you have an agent come and knocking on your door going, oh I am going to make you the next big thing. Yeah. And and it and it's tough for someone who who has been desperate, who has been turned down, who doesn't have, you know, a great track record behind them, uh, to to watch out for themselves. So yeah, the, the uh, are you making popcorn? Yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm oh. eating up a. Uh, like her sandwich that I had from this morning. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, and it's not just the desperation either. You have to look at the demographic of who's going into a certain line of work, right? Sure, um, sure. So like I'm, I am a physician and, you know, people are like, why are doctors mean? What is it? What happened to them? Well, you know, there's this like great quote from Grey's Anatomy where it's like, you've got these kids who work really hard and their parents are insane and they push them and they tell them you have to be the best at the age of like five. And they spend the next like 12 years going through high school with the idea that they have to get into the right college to get into the right medical school. So they're not going to prom. They're not hanging out. They are doing extra work. Their parents make them do. And then you get into college and day one, they say, if you want to be a doctor, you have to do this exactly right. There's only one way and you have to take these harder classes. So you're not going to go to that frat party and you're not going to do this. And then they get into medical school and day one, they say, look to your left, look to your right. One of you won't be here. You have to be better than everyone else. You're going to be saving lives. And then they get into residency and they treat you like absolute dogs and you don't sleep for three to seven years. And they finally let you out and they say, here's a bunch of money and you have the power of life and death, go. Yeah. And they wonder yeah. why these people are not really well socialized. Um, I oh, feel like I, a lot of people dad, that are drawn into writing, you know, they have their own similar cross to bear, but they're not really the ones that were prom king. They're not the ones that were captain of the football, you know, team. They're not really whatever else. And so when somebody looks at them and says, hey, you know, I'll take care of you, they're just like, immediately, thank you. I've gotten some affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. My dad wouldn't let me go to medical school. Ah, um, he's, well, he's, he's, well, he taught medical in medical school, and he said, you know, it's just going to ruin you. You know, you're not going to have any fun. You're, you're going to turn into a little monster. And uh, I, he said to me, I'd rather you be happy. He was he's now, probably absolutely right. Absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Most uh, doctors, in my opinion and what I've seen, they're not really the most easily socialized. Very kind of short-tempered, very... You know, intense, wondering why the rest of the world is not sort of conforming to what they want. I mean, it's, very little it's problematic. Empathy. Yeah, very I mean, little it, empathy. It, it, it depends because, like, you can have someone who is sweet as candy to their patients, but then when you know them in a professional setting or in a personal setting, 
like that other side of him can come out. Um, I don't know. I mean, like the best way to sort of summarize it is that old, like, you know, uh, rubric, like M deity, just like that godlike complex that comes along with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's important to check yourself with that kind of thing. Yeah. And most people don't. If you had, uh, let's say you were standing in front of a big-ass class, you know, or uh, what is that, uh, they, the actor's studio, you had all of those aspiring writers sitting in front of you. <laughs> Um, yeah. what, what, what would be the one thing that you would like them to know? I mean, the one thing that you think would be the best thing for you to tell them in terms of what they can look at and what they would be facing in order to, to garner the kind of success that you have already. So just like what one lesson is what you're saying. One yeah, piece just of one, because, you know, we could, we could go on all night, man. There's like 281 uh, things that they need to yeah. know. I'd say write a story that you would want to read. That'd be the number one thing. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people don't. They think, oh, I got to do a vampire story because those are popular. Yeah. No, write something that you would want to do. It's the exact same idea of talking to a woman. Don't just try to say the same stupid stuff that you think she wants to hear because that's what she's hearing all the time. Just be yourself. You may go down in flames, but at least you have a chance of hitting the home run. Uh, just do it. That's 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 that, actually that's some pretty good advice. Um, I never I never I never heard it put that way, but okay. Um, no. And then and then what's the biggest pitfall that you would warn them about? Um, do not let your happiness be based on your reviews because otherwise when you get a good one, you're going to feel on cloud nine. Even if you have nine out of 10 good ones, that one bad one is going to eat you to death. Just keep writing a story that you would want to read. Yeah, I would, I would expand that out to, to be, you know, just because you bad, you got a bad review that doesn't negate or repudiate your worth as a person. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But a lot of people don't know that lesson, you know, um, I've had people who who given me their work and said, hey, do you mind reading this and letting me know what you think? And and I gave them what I thought was good, structured, well-considered criticism about weaknesses in their writing, and, mm-hmm. and they, they they thought I hated them. Yeah. And, and that just wasn't the case, you know? Yeah. Uh, I usually do not review, and when I do, I'm just going to be like, hey, I'm going to say exactly what I think you may not want to hear that because my friends, like they laugh about it. They're like, don't ask Alaron a question because he's going to tell you the truth. And truth is not what we actually want in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do, I just let him know this is, you know, this is where I'm coming from. This is how I feel. It's one man's opinion, but this is why I feel this way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, most of the people in my life don't really ask me too many questions because of that, honestly. Okay, so everybody out there, beware in case you yeah, want to. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you're going to get the yeah. truth, you know? I feel like there's yeah. plenty of people that are going to kiss your butt all the time. There's plenty of people that if you mess up, they're going to be like, oh, well, it's not your fault, and blah, blah, blah. You know, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just your fault. Sometimes stuff happens. And, you know, I feel like I always sort of gauge you need a pat on the bat or you need a kick in the butt. But if I feel mm-hmm. like you need a kick in the butt, I'm not going to be afraid to do that. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. it means mm-hmm. I don't care about you, in my opinion. Right, and not only that, but there's there's a there's a matter of honesty there too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some things, you know, there's certain questions that only have one answer. Does this make me look fat? There's one answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> there is one answer. <laughs> and I'm not yeah, but... to give another answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. That's true. You know. But, in, like, you know, I mean, so it's like, you don't just be a moron, just, you know, have no filter and just spew whatever you want out into the world. But for other things, you know, if somebody's, I don't give my opinion unsolicited. I just don't. You know, I feel like opinions mm-hmm. are like buttholes. Everyone has one. Everyone thinks everyone else stinks. I absolutely agree with that. I give it, if you ask me, if you are under me, like you're like a child or like somebody that I'm mentoring or somebody that I have a responsibility to make you into a better person, I will give it. And I will give it in life sure. and death, literal life and death. Sure. Other yeah. than that, like, keep, keep, keep going, man. You're grown. There you go. You, yeah. Well, we are, we are actually just a, bit, a little bit out of time. I'm going to ask that Jarvis to come in. He always pulls out the show. And he's, oh, this is fun, I'm man. Ask for, yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I mean, did, uh, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I did. This was fun. This was fun. I didn't know what we were going to talk about for two hours, but it was a, it was a good talk, man. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. And and seriously, um, please try to keep uh, your your appearances updated on the um, blackscienceficon.com, uh, blackscienceficonsociety.com website in the events calendar because, you know, I, one of these days I'm going to come down to Atlanta and do more than just hang at the airport because usually, I, <laughs> you know, my, my – my plane changes there, you know, when I go various places. And, yeah. uh, you know, if I stay there for some time, I'm going to maybe want to see what's going on. So, uh, yeah, man. If, I'd love if, to buy you a beer. If, if, oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Well, I yeah, had man. a great time. I hope you had a great time. Uh, Jarvis is upstairs. Hopefully he'll pick up and okay. we'll finish this up. But I, I do want to thank you very much for making this very easy. And, and it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot about you. <laughs> your product and process, and and I want to wish you success because I think you've got you you've got your formula down, and I think that you're executing really well. And I can't see how things are, you know, are are not going to go well for you. You know, you've got a great head it, on your shoulders. No, I'm serious. Yeah, um, I appreciate uh, it. All you have to all you have to do now is maybe uh, get those other forty four books out there. <laughs> Honestly, it's something that um, you know, something I could devote my life to, which is, feels good. Well, and and the thing is, you you already mentioned that you have other creative universes to play to play in. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not like you you're dead ending anywhere, you know. And I think that that's great too because that keeps you on your toes. I've noticed that when I switch and write in a different part of one of my universes and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. When I come back to the stuff that I've been working on the most, I, I've got a fresh perspective, you know, and some of that other stuff has, has worked out real well. You know, I mentioned that one book, uh, 101 Tales of Books I Haven't Written Yet, or t- 101 yeah. Titles of Books That I Haven't Written Yet. Can I run a couple past you until we get uh, get Jarvis on the line here? Yeah. I've, I've got one here called a, Pen- a Penny Saved is an Invitation to an Indictment, Investment Tips from Martha Stewart. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds real good. All right. Ike and Tina, a hands-on love affair. Mm, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, but Hey, but it's, it's, it's a book. It's a book. But, <laughs> you, you know, I, I get real weird ideas like that. That's going to be kind of like a bathroom book. But um, just by saying that, by, by writing outside of my dark side universe and things like that. Playing... About, um, Barack Obama, talking your mama, cut downs from Obama's early life. 
I'm writing it down. Okay. And, and I, I'm going. No, no, seriously, you'll get attribution in the book. Okay, sounds good. Um, so what do you do for for pleasure? What do you do for fun? Oh well, uh, darn it, Jarvis is here. But go uh, ahead, tell um, us. You can answer that question. Uh, so I'm I'm a basic American dude. I like barbecues. I like movies with explosions. I hang out with my boys. We you know drink. We laugh. Go outside. I like just basic stuff. I'm an Atlanta guy, so I live in a forest, and I think it's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, hold on until after the show stops in case anybody has any last-minute questions. But I want to mm-hmm. thank you. And uh, Jarvis, uh, I, I was asking you merely for selfish reasons, um, and you were you were talking about the fact that there's about a dozen people who have yet to turn in their lines for Earth Squadron. Right. Well, say more. <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy I'm not the last one. You know, th- this is what I was sitting here wondering about. So I've got I've got all my hardware. I'm going to try to do my lines this weekend without having okay. to go hide in the closet. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, there are about a dozen cuz there's really there's there's really 30 30 characters and right. About 20 of those are actually have some like serious parts. And so we've gotten about a third of the serious parts in and the other 12, um, which you're part of, that group but should be coming in with, within this next month. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're also taking time to tweak the – while we're waiting on that, we're taking time to tweak the characters a little bit more and tweak the ships a little bit more, just trying to make everything look as, as good as possible so that we have the best possible product. And it's, it's kind of worked to our benefit that some things that we've had some delays because um, if we had gotten the film done when we wanted to, it wouldn't look as good as it would now because the technology has improved. Um, the original uh, system was a 32-bit system, which is which is good, but the new um, system that we're running in software is all 64-bit, so we're able to do twice as much realism with the characters and the animations as we would have in uh, in the onset at the very beginning. But I'm really excited about the project, and I, man, I'm just, I'm just loving this process right now. And are you talking about like a higher polygon count for characters, ships, and things like that? Exactly, and um, me and Tony Quay, uh, we're working on uh, a trailer over the next month and a half that'll have probably about five major characters in it, and we'll be dropping that within the next two months. Oh man, I can't wait to see that. You know, it's it's it's, it's been a while, but I mean, still, it's always been moving forward. Yeah, not no, it's 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 uh when you don't have like a million dollars or. <laughs> you know, a bunch of funding, you have to be creative, and it takes a little longer. But as long as the project gets done, we're, putting, we're taking our time trying to put the best possible project out, but we just don't throw something out there and be like, oh, okay, it's done, and then it's like, oh, what is that? Mm-hmm, <laughs> it gives up to all the, of, uh, of the hype, really. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, I will uh, I will get my lines to you as soon as possible, and um, 
I, I can't wait to see the trailer. I really can't. But anyway, we are out of time. I want to thank everybody who listened to this live and those of you who picked this up as a podcast. Um, Jarvis, I want to thank you for putting the whole thing together. And I want to thank, um, you know, everybody who helps uh, helps put it together. And I want to thank uh, uh, Al. I want to thank you, Alaron Kong, the father of American Lit RPG. <clears throat> thank you for being our special guest tonight and making my job easy. Yo, man, this is great. I appreciate you, you know, having, and Jarvis, thanks for having me on, man. This is great. I'm just uh, so blessed to be able to have people like you guys to support uh, what we're trying to do, and just want to thank you all, you know, because this couldn't be possible without William doing a great job in terms of keeping it entertaining. It wouldn't be a, a, a good show without having guests that have something to bring to the table. It wouldn't be a great show if we didn't have people participating, sharing, and coming in listening to the information that's being shared. So I want to give a shout-out to everybody that's part of this project, and thank you. All right. Um, hang on, Al. Uh, but uh, I want to wish everybody a good evening because that's when we're doing this at night. And for those of you who picked this up as a podcast, thank you for doing so and supporting the show. And we'll be back next Friday with another special guest and another edition of the Genesis Science Fiction Radio uh, show. Um, On behalf of Jarvis and everybody, this is William Hayashi uh, wishing everybody a good week ahead. Thanks, everybody.